we see that the region is moving in a positive direction. Abraham Accords, East Med, Gas Forum, sure. Pipeline. Um, there's all these new things that the region is opening up and becoming more tolerant and accepting of other ideas. Um, unfortunately, the Christians are being left out of that conversation hmm. as, as they usually are. Summit in Washington, D.C. with my good friend Mariam from uh, the Phylos Project. Uh, this actually is my stand-in Christian. <laughs> so so um, we're here to talk about um, what her organization does, but I wanted to first talk about how you came to, to work on international religious freedom. So like your journey from from university, from mm -hmm. Egypt, from, from where do you want to start to get to the point where you're advocating for not only the Coptic Church, but for uh, religious communities everywhere? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you and to be speaking together about these really wonderful things and all the, the great work that's happening, not just at the Earth Summit, but uh, all over this field, things are happening. Um, so a little bit about me. My name is Mary Mwaba. I'm a Coptic Christian from Egypt. I work for a wonderful organization called the Philos Project. Uh, we're laughing this. because I asked about the pronunciation of her last name, and I completely <laughs> forgot. So that's why we're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you went first name only, like, right, right, like Beyonce. Right, I like it. Right, right. <laughs> it's just like share. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, we do a, a lot of wonderful things, but one of the things we focus on is really just freedom and advocating for minorities of, of the Near East. Um, so, like I said, I'm Egyptian from Egypt, born and raised, and I'm a Coptic Christian. Um, and the Coptic community, the Coptic Church, has had a tenuous history of persecution and kind of being tossed from side to side over, over the centuries. Um, and I, uh, I went through a phase where the Jews say going off the derrick, like losing yourself, losing your identity, going off the path. And I went through that phase, as most uh, people in religious minority groups do. Sure. They, they want to disassociate themselves from their community because it comes with a sense of victimhood, a sense of second class demi status. Mm. Um, and I went through that and it was very, very real. And I think it was in college where I realized that I felt like I was trying to figure out who I was as all college students do. And I couldn't find it without coming back to my Coptic identity. I didn't know who I was. I was American, I was Egyptian, I was a woman, but like, who am I uh, without my faith? And I started just doing a little bit more uh, inner work and research on what it means to be a Copt, um, apart from going to church every Sunday for four-hour masses or three-hour masses. The masses are very, very... I've been through a few of them. And oh, I, have you really? Yeah, it's... I, I, be wonderful, joyous, yeah. <laughs> but they're very long. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was, it was really hard for me to kind of stay focused, and maybe it's, that's the ADD. Mm -mm. Um, I don't know, but um, it was really, really difficult when I was in Egypt because I was like trying to figure out exactly what was going on, <laughs> and uh, and then on top of that, I'm going, you know, when you're at an event, and you're like. Is this the end? Yeah. <laughs> it's like there can't be more. Yeah. What else do they have to say? Yeah, and, and, and then and this happens all the time. Yeah. This is the ceremony, yeah. right? So, um, would you say that you were culturally Coptic and you couldn't go away from that when you even when you were going through this period of self discovery? Oh, of course. And I, I mean, to your point about long masses and trying to figure it out, we do, most churches that I'm familiar with, most Coptic churches, do at least half the mass in Coptic, which is the ancient Egyptian language. And of course, cool it's hard to, yeah, yeah, like It's so to... cool, the first 10 minutes, and then you're going, I don't know, sure, what's going on? Yeah. You know, and you're trying not to be 
rude or anything yeah. about it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a dead language. I think maybe six or five people in the whole world still speak it. Um, and there's some, been some projects to kind of try to revolve it. But back to your question before I digress further. Um, did I feel culturally Coptic? Yeah, I mean, to be Egyptian is to be Coptic. Um, and there's a, a school of thought that says all Egyptians are Copts, um, putting aside religion, Muslim, Christian, etc. Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to that school of thought, but there is something very interlinked about Coptic culture, Coptic tradition, and Egyptian culture. Uh, we were the first Egyptians. In fact, the word Copt is a Greek word meaning Egyptian. It's what right. the Greeks used to call the Egyptians. Right. How cool is that? Um, it, fascinating, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I felt Coptic and I felt Arab, which is also a weird thing to come to grapple with because I speak Arabic, I eat Hawaushi and Mahshi and Kushri, right. but I'm also this very weird kind of Arab because I'm Christian. Right. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those things where we had this conversation a little bit before we started recording and I was like oh, I have a small I have this affection for the Coptic church and, and you were like why and I go well you know you guys are very esoteric you know <laughs> as in as smiley we're Islam after hours right I said <laughs> and, 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 but, and I feel that there's a closeness to the Coptic church because of the esoteric nature mm. now it Look, look in the outside in, mm -hmm. right? But there's a lot of ritual. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot about creating holy space. Yeah. Um, there's a lot about making sure that that um, you're executing ritual and and faith in a very programmatic way. Yeah. Uh, and that that's that's like really sexy to somebody like me, right? So um, I, I and so I always felt very close. Although, like I said, whenever I was in Egypt when running program for the, programming for the American Islamic Congress, they're like, oh, you got to come, come to Egypt, you're more than welcome. And I'm like, well. <laughs> How long? <laughs> like, I'm a nine-hole golfer, okay? <laughs> I'm not an 18-hole golfer, right? Yeah. So I'll do the front nine or the back nine. Mm -hmm. Can't do that. Yeah. So you got to, like, once you're there, you, you got to commit. commit. Yeah. So I, I did commit a f quite a few times, but after a while, I was, like, scratching my head and going, I got to come up with something to do. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, maybe I'm not into esoteric. <laughs> religion because <laughs> there's, there's maybe they're much more passionate but anyways i wanted to like i really did appreciate though that creating of the holy space mm -hmm. i really did appreciate that that the idea that there is a programmatic element to creating not that that sort of frequency in that in that moment yep. um that 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 means something and that ties back and has that lineage and legitimacy all the way back to the beginnings of history and that, and you have that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that others don't, but uh, there's, like I said, a special place because I've in, interacted with your church. Um, no, you did answer the question. But so, tell me a little bit about the Filers Project, what they're doing, who they are, and what your role is. Yeah. Um, actually, if if you don't mind, I'll, I'll digress a little bit to sure. your point about sexy. Uh, the yeah. sexy part of being a cop, which right. there isn't a lot to, but there, I, I agree with you, there is a sexiness to the mysticism and the way that there's patterns and repetition, and that's yeah. kind of like the orthodox part of Coptic right. orthodox. Yeah. And I right now find that so sexy, but I think a big challenge for the church at the moment is that the youth don't find that sexy. There was a point in my life where I didn't want to spend 7 to 11 Sunday mornings in church 
and you know doing yeah. four hour five hour prayers yeah. and repeating things 400 times literally 400 times during yeah. holy week um so that's a big church that the, that's a big challenge that the ch church is facing and i i think um it's really up to leadership to figure out a solution to that i don't mm -hmm. th there's an argument for ignoring that criticism because right. you want to maintain the orthodoxy of coptic orthodox but there is there's a real challenge and you have people uh maybe not officially leaving the church but people who haven't gone to church in years right um but to your, okay, answer your question now. Philos Project. Uh, Philos in Greek. We, we love Greek words, apparently. Right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm just into Greek, so I love that. And, <laughs> you know, my mother is, my father's Greek from Afghanistan, and my mother's a Greek from, from, yes. from Egypt. Yes. So, anything Greek, you know, I have, I have Molinavia here, oh, is which is, is, yeah, it means come take it. Ah. You know, it's the battle cry of Thermopylae. So, very so <laughs> people freaky. go, what does that mean? I, I go, it means whatever you want it to mean. Yeah. But we're in the fight for religious freedom, mm. which means that, you know, the idea that, you know, belief, the freedom to believe, not believe, change is really important. And, uh, and I think having that attitude of, you want to know what, um, let's attempt to take back our freedom. Yes. And, and that means freedom for everybody. Amen. You know, so. Amen. So Fios Project, Fios is a Greek word meaning friend. Um, so the friend project, if you will. Um, and we do uh, so many things, so many wonderful things. But our tagline is promoting positive Christian engagement in the Near East. I'll break that down a little bit because it's a bit clunky. Um, but uh, we try to engage and work with uh, Western Christians um, to make sure they're looking at and engaging with the Near East in a positive way. Um, and uh, the Fields Project was born because my boss, Robert Nicholson, saw the way that the West was engaging with the East. And it wasn't necessarily in a positive way. It was news, terrorist bombings, and that was pretty much the well, story that was Give telling. us an example of positive, negative ways. Like yeah. one good, we said we were talking about news, but what's an example of a positive, negative way for our listeners? Right, so uh, a negative way with engaging with the Near East is uh, limiting your scope of engagement to what is on the news. And usually when the Middle East, the Near East, we like to say is on the news, it's uh, not necessarily in a positive light. It's usually terrorism, bombings, poverty, lack of water, any bad issue you can think of, it's, it's it. Um, engaging with the Near East in a positive way is trying to understand why the region is uh, the way it is. So for example, looking at any of the Philos pamphlets about the churches of the East, um, the, the cultural richness of the region is cannot be undersold and understated. There's uh, so many ancient churches, aside from the cops, let's put my community aside for a sec, the Assyrians, the Maronites, um, they have been there since the first century. The first Christians were from Egypt. There's a tweet I like a lot, and uh, I was like, I, uh, somebody tweeted that they were surprised when, Christ when American Christians find out that there's Eastern Christians, there's Middle Eastern Christians, and she goes, guys, it was Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus of New Jersey. Right. <laughs> like how, uh, that shouldn't be as shocking as it is, but yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so engaging with the region positively is trying to understand the diversity that exists and why it is the way that it is. Right on, right yeah. on. So, so how do you um, engage the, the community? I mean, I'm a, I built a whole career on engagement modeling mm -hmm. and collective cultures in the Islamic and post-Soviet context. So, yeah. so my biggest thing is always like, find something that had parents, kill it, <laughs> eat it, and then after you're done, talk about the issues, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe there's gonna be a little bit of music, you know, who knows? Um, yeah. Take some time to sell out with everybody so mm. that you can learn how they, how they pray. Um, 
um, and it's not just Muslims, but how do you guys do it? What's what's your unique brand of engagement, and right. how is that related to your mission? Yeah, um, so like I said, we do so many things. So there's, a th if you're interested in the Near East or people of the Near East, there's something for you at Philos. Um, so we have uh, PAL, which is our Philos Action League, and that works to dispel hate amongst all communities, anti-Semitism, anti-Christian hate, uh, hate, and you can sign up for that, and, and you'll be alerted when an act of hate happens, and you can show up huh. and, and be an ally. Um, and support the communities that are suffering the most. That's in country. That's uh, all over the U.S. Right. and the we have um, we have members of PAL all over the region that show up when acts okay. of hate happen. Right on. Um, our biggest advocacy project this year um, is Abraham's missing child, which I told you a little bit about, but uh, explaining it a little bit. Um, we see that the region is moving in a positive direction. Abraham Accords, East Med, Gas Forum, sure. Pipeline. Um, there's all these new things that the region is opening up and becoming more tolerant and accepting of other ideas. Um, unfortunately, the Christians are being left out of that conversation hmm. as, as they usually are. Um, and it's important that whatever direction the region is heading towards, that they are included. So over the next 12 months, the Fields Project will be hosting three conferences in the Near East to figure out coherent, uh, actionable ways to make sure the Christians of the Near East are included in this new positive di direction that the, that the region is heading in. Um, yeah, and so actualizing what, what's the narrative into something that, that is practical, right? Exactly. Uh, which is why we're talking. You, you know, I, I try to always have practitioners on, yep. you know, and make sure that people that are on the ground are, are have a voice so that so that those outside our listeners can actually hear what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so here's the thing. So tell us about like what's like what, like how the Earth Summit, because this is the backdrop here, and how National Religious Freedom ties into the into the Fearless Project. And yeah. what, I mean, because it's not just. I mean, there's persecution is on the rise, mm -hmm. right? Um, business is good, right? We're in a growth <laughs> industry, um, and um, but nobody's making a fortune doing yeah. it, right? We always joke about that with my buddies, but. Um, you know, how is international religious freedom being actualized within the organization, and what does the summit mean yeah. uh, to you guys? Yeah, so a philosophy of Philos is that the religious freedom movement, as wonderful as it has, as it has been, and the amount of work people and money, uh, amount of work and money people have put in over the last X amount of years, has been wonderful. But it seems like there's very little. Uh, solutions coming out of the current movement. So we try to think about what went wrong and how can we improve it moving forward. Sure. Um, and the conversation, I hope you forgive me in saying this, the conversation around religious freedom, international religious freedom, can sometimes be stale. We, sure. we make the same talking points, we say the same things, people are hurting, communities are, are suffering, yeah. decreasing at rapid rates. Um, how do we stop it? And usually the room goes silent yes. at the solution yeah. point. That's been, I'm very critical of the religious yeah. freedom movement, not because of its narrative, but what are the action items and how are we collaborating to create solutions because it's on the rise exactly and exactly. I always say if it's on the rise then we're not doing our job properly mm -hmm. um, but and I have theories on that but that's a whole nother song of dance yeah we can get yeah. to that and and one of the answers we come to when we ask ourselves what are the issues with the religious freedom movement is that it tends to be a little like wagging their fingers at countries and that's great we should hold countries accountable we should let them know that the u.s is watching what they're doing and if they're getting u.s aid money if they're if they want the u.s's support whether whatever shape that comes in they have to abide by certain values and standards that the u.s cares about the u.s government cares about um our approach is a little bit different. Instead of wagging fingers, uh, we try to build a community of nations, to use uh, um, 
a phrase by a good friend of mine, Andy Zemanaitis, he leads the Hellenic Aid Society. Um, so we build a community of nations, we engage directly with countries like Egypt, like Bahrain, like UAE, to make sure that we're cooperating and they're hearing what the needs of these communities are so we can work together towards implementing solutions. And that's kind of what AMC is about, is to build this community of nations to actually come up with tangible, implemental solutions to the problems that these communities are facing. And so, yeah. your presence here is—is is, I would say uh, the Rafaela's project is—is is how old? How old is the company? Uh, coming up on eight years now. Eight years. So, so you're involved in the first ministerial. Um, yes. You guys were here, and uh, but the uh, the the youth element of the organization, not meaning like the people, yep. but meaning that it's a young organization mm -hmm. that's that's that's. Uh, you know, not, not that's innovating, but it's also going after the prize of having actionable items mm -hmm. with outcomes and outputs, right? Which is something we all hear with USAID programming and yeah. our government <laughs> programming. But um, in that short amount of time, you have now a tremendous amount of, a pr of presence in the MENA region, mm -hmm. right? You have a series of programs. You're here advocating for religious minorities um, or, or the persecuted religious communities. Tell me a little bit about how you advocate for um, multi-faith communities, and you're a Copt, right? Yeah. And so you advocate for Christians yeah. um, in general, right? But how does that affect non-Christian communities, your advocacy and your, your programming? That's a great question. Um, the answer is pretty simple, dialogue. Um, everything starts with getting people in the room and forcing is a strong word, but encouraging them <laughs> to engage with each other <laughs> and talk to each other because that's the first step. Right. They need to hear each other out, they need to understand where the other person is coming from. Everything else comes from that. Uh, without dialogue, without direct engagement with each other, whether it be Jew to Muslim, Muslim to Christian, Jew to Christian, everything needs to start with us understanding who we are as people, who we are as uh, people of faith. Um, everything comes after that. And building those relationships allow for individuals to chat. You know, exactly. My co-host Matthew, um, we we don't agree on much. <laughs> um, there's very little we agree, but even though we agree on much, we don't agree on much. We spend quite a bit of time interacting with each mm -hmm. other to the point where we were trying to figure out how we we get this agenda item that's mm -hmm. common for across the line. And in many respects, I'd call him up and he'd say, like, I can't support your letter. This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. But this is how you write this. Or uh, he'd call me and he'd be like, um, I need to, I need to, I don't have engagement within your community. I need to get buy-in. And I'd be like, this is, these are the people you talk to. This is how you get buy-in. Yep. But he felt comfortable talking with me um, in large part because we did share sandwiches um, <laughs> multiple times. He would eat half and I'd eat half. Because oh. well, it was one of those things where we'd, we would want, we'd each want each other's sandwich. Yep. So I'd say, let's order both sandwiches and, we'll and switch split, them. Yes. split it. And, and I don't know how many, it's really kind of funny. I don't know how many people thought, probably, probably a couple, but <laughs> which is fine. We, we kind of were. Anyways, but, um, but you know, that, that's something that's always been a hallmark of my career is like building relationships. Mm -hmm. There's no place I won't go. There's no place I won't, I won't, uh, no person I won't interact with. And um, it's better to be sitting at the table with somebody than have them waiting outside with an AK-47, right? Precisely. Um, yeah, so, Precisely. Which a lot of people don't. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that uh, when it comes to the Earth Summit and when it comes to your organization, um, you know, one last question. Yeah. Where do you see um, Earth going right now? Um, we're at this critical stage where we had the, the ministerial was like this big whiz-bang thing, right? Yep. Um, this is a much smaller type of event. Mm -hmm. um, and we're... 
struggling because there's no shortcuts to <laughs> the agenda, right? Mm -hmm. To achieving the objective, right? So we're getting to the, to the point where we need to innovate, and the Finance Project is doing that. But as an innovator, as as someone who's um, on the international religious freedom. Uh, um, you're buying into not only the, the value of it, but how it can affect your constituency in a mm -hmm. positive way. Where do you? What do you see as the most positive, uh, the, the actionable item to get into the next level of Earth? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, to get to the next level of Earth, I think we need to be a lot more collaborative than we are being now. Um, I see, and this is not a critique, just an observation, certain organizations and, and, and causes that are kind of just like pigeonholed on their own thing. I think if we, we look up and look around what's happening, and that's why I love Earth, and I think it's a great space for, for things like this to happen, is that if we just support each other, and if we see what the other organizations and the other people are doing, and find ways to collaborate, to link causes, to see it's, uh, what is it, it's the saying, uh, rising tides lift all boats? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the, the idea I'm going for. If we all find ways to interact with each other and to help each other's causes, I think we'd have a way easier time addressing the challenges that we're facing in the international religious freedom movement. Right on, yes. My friend would say uh, it's the four C's, common causes, cash, and cooperation. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so, four C's. Yeah, the four I C's. love that. Anyways, thanks so much, Mariam, for taking the time. Thank you I really for appreciate me. you uh, making the space for me during the, the summit. It means a lot. This is wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much.